only Dr. Willett, who brought Charles Ward into the world and watched his growth of body and mind ever since, seemed frightened at the thought of his future freedom. He had had a terrible experience, and had made a terrible discovery which he dared not reveal to his sceptical colleagues. Willett, indeed, presents a minor mystery all his own in connection with the case. He was the last to see the patient before his flight, and emerged from that final conversation in a state of mixed horror and relief, which several recalled when Ward's escape became known three hours later. That escape itself is one of the unsolved wonders of Dr. Waite's hospital. A window open above a sheer drop of sixty feet could hardly explain it. Yet after that talk with Willett, the youth was undeniably gone. Willett himself has no public explanation to offer, though he seems strangely easier in mind than before the escape. Many indeed feel that he would like to say more if he thought any considerable number would believe him. He had found Ward in his room, but shortly after the departure the attendants knocked in vain. When they opened the door, the patient was not there, and all they found was the open window with a chill April breeze blowing in a cloud of fine bluish-grey dust that almost choked them. True, the dogs howled some time before, but that was while Willett was still present, and they had caught nothing and shown no disturbance later on. Ward's father was told at once over the telephone, but he seemed more saddened than surprised. By the time Dr. Waite called in person, Dr. Willett had been talking with him, and both disavowed any knowledge or complicity in the escape. Only from certain closely confidential friends of Willett and the senior ward have any clues been gained, and even these are too wildly fantastic for general credence. The one fact which remains is that up to the present time no trace of the missing madman has been unearthed. Charles Ward was an antiquitarian from infancy, no doubt gaining his taste from the venerable town around him, and from the relics of the past which filled every corner of his parents' old mansion in Prospect Street, on the crest of the hill. With the years his devotion to ancient things increased, so that history, genealogy, and the study of colonial architecture, furniture, and craftsmanship at length crowded everything else from his sphere of interests. These tastes are important to remember in considering his madness, for although they do not form its absolute nucleus, they play a prominent part in its superficial form. The gaps of information which the alienists notice were all related to modern matters, and were invariably offset by a correspondingly excessive, though outwardly concealed, knowledge of bygone matters, as brought out by adroit questioning, so that one would have fancied the patient literally transformed to a former age through some obscure sort of auto-hypnosis. The odd thing was that Ward seemed no longer interested in the antiquities he knew so well. He had, it appears, lost his regard for them through sheer familiarity, and all his final efforts were obviously bent towards mastering these common facts of the modern world, which had been so totally and unmistakably expunged from his brain. That this wholesale deletion had occurred, he did his best to hide, but it was clear to all who watched him that his whole program of reading and conversation was determined by a frantic wish to imbibe such knowledge of his own life and of the ordinary practical and cultural background of the twentieth century 
as ought to have been his by virtue of his birth in 1902, and his education in the schools of our own time. Alienists are now wondering how, in view of his virtually impaired range of data, the escaped patient manages to cope with the complicated world of today, the dominant opinion being that he is lying low in some humble and unexacting position till his stock of modern information can be brought up to the normal. The beginning of Ward's madness is a matter of dispute among alienists. Dr. Lyman, the eminent Boston authority, places it in 1919 or 1920, during the boy's last year at the Moses Brown School, when he suddenly turned from the study of the past to the study of the occult, and refused to qualify for college on the ground that he had individual researches of much greater importance to make. This is certainly borne out by Ward's altered habits at the time, especially by his continual...